Welcome, everyone, to Couch Potato Diary, midweek edition. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the program today, uh, we are looking at what's happened in baseball's uh, playoffs, a huge night for the Philadelphia Phillies, CFL power rankings, the first ever Couch Potato Diary UFC pound for pound rankings, um, NBA preview continues with coaches on the hot seat and Raptors poised for a breakout. So we have a lot to get to. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment. If you are listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. And however you are taking in this fine show today, make sure you share it with your friends so we can continue to grow this. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Let's get to the show. All right, we begin in the world of Major League Baseball, where the Philadelphia Phillies are now two wins away from uh, back-to-back trips to the World Series, which will certainly um, draw a lot of attention from people who are looking at team building and things like that, because, we, again, we have talked about how little defense actually matters. But for this Philadelphia Phillies squad, they have been hitting the absolute hell out of the baseballs lately. And it has been such a a fun, fun, fun watch for them. And one of the things that you come away with is Citizens Bank Park right now is one of the great home field advantages, maybe not even just in baseball, but in all sports right now. That crowd is electric, and this team is feeding off of it. Like, it is a perfect Philadelphia team at a perfect Philadelphia time for for sports, right? Like, the, the, the Eagles... Uh, a couple trips to the Super Bowl, they've won one. The 76ers have an MVP in Joel Embiid. Don't look at the rest of the stuff. Uh, the, the Flyers are kind of dog shit right now. But for but the, the Phillies are on an absolute tear. Like, this is such a great time, it feels like anyway, in Philadelphia sports. And this fan base has embraced this team. You look at what happened earlier this year. Trey Turner was in an O forever slump. And they give him a standing ovation and he comes out of it. Like, that is fan base and team and the actual team just like so in sync like they it's it's really really cool to see when something all comes together like that and you watch these games and it's surprising when Philly doesn't hit a home run right like when Schwarber's up there and he makes contact and it's on the ground it's like wait that's allowed that that happens because it just feels like it's a home run derby every time those guys are are up at the plate and again we talk about the importance of home runs and the importance of the, those big hits you you look at what the the Phillies are doing right now where it's just any mistake any pitcher is making is getting hit a ton. And they were doing this without Baum really hitting at the, the number four slot. And now he comes up with a, a big hit in game two. Everything is just rolling for this team at the right time. And the pitching is really strong. You look at um, what they were able to, to get in game one out of Zach Wheeler. And then in game two, Aaron Nola might have been better. The, that two-seam fastball, the movement that he was able to get on that is just filthy. And um, his breaking pitches, the, the knuckle curve that he got to, to freeze Perdomo in this one was great. But then you look at Arizona, who again, yes, they beat up on the Dodgers in the uh, National League Division Series, but they just don't seem to have the right approach at the the plate. You look at um, Lourdes Goriel Jr. came up with runners at first and third and two out and a chance to really get them back in the ball game. And he chases a breaking pitch and hits a slow roller to short. On the first pitch of the at-bat, 
You you just you can't be doing that. The the Phillies are waiting for their pitch, they're getting their pitch, and they're hitting the hell out of it. Whereas Arizona feels like they need to hit a six-run home run right away, and they're making poor decisions at the plate. And they're in a tough spot. Like obviously, they're they're down two games to, to none in this series. They feel like they've never been in it, and that's with their two main guys going. There is a significant drop-off in this pitching rotation now for, for Arizona going from game two to game three. It's going back home, so maybe that helps, but it just feels like a matter of time before the Phillies get on a roll in Arizona as well and wind this series down. They feel inevitable. It is like very few things we have seen in this sport, what the Phillies have been able to do. We'll see if it can keep rolling, but it has been so much fun. Massive game three tonight in the American League Championship Series as the scene shifts to Texas for games three and four after a couple of games in Houston. The Rangers, who I will never forgive, for getting rid of the perfect ballpark in the ballpark in Arlington and moving into essentially a Quonset. Now have an opportunity to go up 3-0 in this series and try to put the Astros away. And they're doing it in much the same way. They've got great pitching from their top two guys and everyone is hitting. We will see if that continues tonight. But I, I would imagine... Very few moments are big are big enough to be too big for the Astros. I don't think this is going to be one of them. We'll see what they can do coming up here in Game 3 tonight. That's the story from baseball. Let's talk a little football in the CFL. All right, looking at our CFL power rankings for the week. Reminder, if you uh, missed it, I was on 3-Down Nation in writing form this week, recapping the Saskatchewan Rough Riders game against the Calgary Stampeders. Um, we start at the bottom of the power rankings, number nine, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, again, I think there's something that they can build on for this season um, going into next year, but it's been a bit of a rough go out in Ottawa. At eight, it is Edmonton. Again, they have Trey Ford, so excitement abound out in Edmonton, but it's it's fallen off for sure. Um, at seven, it is Saskatchewan. That was an awful game against the, the Calgary Stampeders that it, it never felt like it should have been close. They, the, the pass rush was getting to, um, to, to Mayer early. They were kind of moving the ball, at least on the ground. Um, it, it just felt like everything was going well, but just a couple of miscues, they let Calgary hang around, and now their fate is out of their own hands. That did not look like a team that deserved to be in a playoff spot, but here we are. Um, at six, it's Calgary, kind of ditto. I didn't think they played particularly well in that game. They caught a couple of big plays that were enough to, to take it from Saskatchewan and, and pick up this win, but not an overly impressive showing from the Calgary Stampeders either. At five, it is Hamilton as the Ticats um, battling to try to keep things close for that home field advantage in the West semifinal, but like what they did against the, the Riders a couple of weeks ago, we'll see how they can build on that heading toward the postseason. At four, it's Montreal. We, we've said it for weeks. They just feel like they are so clearly the best of the rest right now um, in the, the, the Canadian Football League. Like, it's the top three, and then there's that middle group. Montreal feels like they are the top of that middle group. Um, and then 3-2-1, it is the Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari of the CFL world, as at three, it is the BC Lions, at two, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and at number one, you have the Toronto Argonauts heading towards the CFL postseason just a couple of weeks away. Playoff time in the CFL is just so good. I cannot wait for it to get going. So those are your CFL power rankings for the week. We're going to keep rankings going as we look at the first Couch Potato Diary men's UFC 
pound for pound. All right, we are doing this as we continue our previews of UFC 294 coming up this weekend. Um, the top two names on this list, spoiler alert, are going to be names that are prominently featured on this UFC fight card. So I thought this was a good time to introduce the pound-for-pound rankings, um, and we will be updating them appropriately. I'm looking to, to get rankings out for all of them, but for all the divisions, but for now, well, we're going to stick with pound-for-pound, pound, and just whenever rankings change, we'll be doing those on Fights and Football Fridays. So, we start at the bottom, and again, uh, uh, we're doing a top 10 here, um, so we're not starting. We start with fighter 658 on the UFC power rankings. We've ranked all of them. Um, no, we, we are starting there, and it's another fighter who's going to feature prominently this weekend as Kamaru Usman moves up to 185 pounds. He gets the number 10 spot. The former welterweight champion of the world basically beat everyone at 170 pounds. He gets on this list. It, I mean, there's a bit of these lists that is absolutely... Um, kind of like, it's a mix of what have you done lately and what does the, the main resume say. I do favor, as you'll see a little bit later on, I do put a lot more stock into the, the here and now than um, what they've done longevity-wise. So uh, number 10 is Usman. Number nine is Max Holloway, where he has beat everyone but Volkanovski um, at 145 pounds. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens at 145 once Volk kind of, if he does move up permanently to 155 or or where does, where does he go? I, I think that's going to be interesting conversations for Max Holloway. Um, Pantoja is next, the bantamweight champion of the world, moving into this spot. Moreno probably would have been a little bit higher had he not lost, but Pantoja, championship holder, deserves to be on there. Um, after that, it is Sean Strickland, probably a little high on this list. There might be a little bit of crediting, um, kind of moving what Izzy did into Sean Strickland's spot. Um, so it, he might be a little bit high on this one. His next title challenger is going to be figured out after Saturday night. At six, it is Charles DeBronx Oliveira. Uh, again, he feels like he is one where he's beat everyone except for the main guy at his weight class, and that feels like an insurmountable defeat, but he still is someone who has such an amazing resume. I think he deserved to be on this list. At five, it's Sean O'Malley, um, a, a star-making performance against Aljamain Sterling, and someone who I feel like maybe... Overall resume, I might have him a little bit high, but fight skills, I don't know if I have him high enough. At four, it's Leon Edwards. He has championship wins over someone on this list. He deserves to, to be up there. At three, it's John Jones. That's more lifetime achievement than, than current, although a couple of big wins in the, the heavyweight division certainly make it feel like he he, he is back to, to being him. And it'll be interesting if he puts a stamp on Stipe, does he move up in this? He probably does depending on what happens Saturday night because two and one are both fighting um, at UFC 294 and they're facing each other as Alexander Volkanovsky comes in at number two, Islam Makashev at one. Um, there are a lot of people who I see have these flipped. I think you still have to put Makashev at one even if you dispute if he won or not, I feel like pound for pound and rankings, you do have to go off of the actual results on paper. You, you can't, oh, well, he should have beat him so he can move up a little bit higher. Those are a couple of things, but for number one pound for pound, I, I think it has to go on what the, the judges did tell you, what the official results were, and the official decision was Islam Makashev by decision. So he gets the number one men's pound for pound spot on the inaugural Couch Potato Diary UFC pound for pound rankings. Um, 
our NBA previews now continue with a look at, <clears throat> excuse me, both the full NBA and the Toronto Raptors. All right, we continue our NBA preview looking at coaches on the hot seat. Um, and admittedly, again, like the, with hockey, there, there weren't many. There, there's four that we're going to, to go through on this one today. Uh, we are going to start with Joe Missoula in Boston. Yes, he was... Um, he is just going into his second season with the Boston Celtics. And uh, yeah, he did get his team to the Eastern Conference Final um, a, a season ago. So it's a weird spot to be, but there is a excuse me, a lot of criticism around the coaching job that he did with the Celtics a season ago, specifically how the postseason was handled. And th this team has made some big moves. They, they go out and acquire Drew Holiday. Uh, Marcus Smart has been moved out. Brogdon's been moved out. There's a lot, there, there's been a lot of shuffling of the, the deck chairs right now in Boston. This is a team that has to be successful. If there are like around 500 come Christmas time, um... I think there's going to be a lot of eyes looking at, at Joe Missoula. This is a team that has championship or bust mentality. If it's bust, it might mean the end of their coach. Uh, Jason Kidd with the Dallas Mavericks. This is a team that did not make the postseason a year ago. It is a full season of Kyrie and Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka's free agency and just what was star players wanting out more and more. That, I think, hangs over the heads of everything that's going on with the Dallas Mavericks right now. And so I believe their head coach needs this to be a successful season, even in the gauntlet that is the NBA's Western Conference. Jamal Mosley in in Orlando. Um, this is a team that is on the rise. And that they have, that there's been the, the steady ascension. Things have been going up. They went from like the, okay, well, there's some young pieces. We'll watch them on League Pass too. You know what? Things are starting to come together. This, I think, is a year that they need to make that jump into the postseason or they're going to try to find a coach who will because Orlando certainly now it looks like has the pieces to be a, a team that should be contending for a playoff spot. And the last one is Tyron Lue. Um, And I get that this one seems a little bit unfair, but for Lou, he is uh, the coach of a super team. And George and Leonard both could be gone by the end of this season. And the Clippers have one Western Conference Finals appearance to show for the giant moves that they made after uh, that dude over my shoulder there, there, um, went from Toronto to the LA Clippers. One Conference Finals appearance in that time. It feels like a disaster. And while no, it is not all on coaching, I don't know if any of it's on coaching, there, there's a lot of pressure pressure on this coach this season to get the job done. Again, in a really difficult Western Conference, but the Clippers have to make quite a bit of noise, I think, in the NBA this season. So, those are the four coaches, I think, are on the hot seat for the 2023-2024 season. Let's look at the Toronto Raptors, our first Raptors-specific preview of the uh, NBA preview series so far. We start with Malachi Flynn. Yes, the, the season was a bit of a sleeper. Uh, my dog is dreaming behind me. Um, that's how much of a, a sleeper it was for the, the Raptors last year. Uh, but Malachi Flynn is my first breakout candidate for the Toronto Raptors. He never seemed like a fit with Nick Nurse and company. He seemed, like you just see him in interviews, he feels revitalized. I think he's going to have a bit of a bigger role on the team this year, probably as just straight up the backup point guard. Um, so I, I think that they're, not that he's going to break out and be an all-star, but I think we're going to see another level up 
for for Malachi Flynn this year, and I think he's going to have an important role on this Raptors team. Um, the man he's backing up is my next breakout candidate, Dennis Schroeder. Um, he has always just kind of been right there amongst like, is he moving into a a not the the top tier of NBA point guards, but he has always kind of been on the fringes of like one of the better starting point guards of the league, like in the top half, you know? Um, But he had a great world cup with Germany and now he's going to a Raptors team where it feels more of it is centered around him. Not the whole offense, right? Because it's going to be Siakam, it's going to be Barnes, but he is running this show in ways that we haven't seen him run in a really long time. And so I, I think we're going to see a big season from Dennis Schroeder to be able to get the, the most out of what, what could potentially be there for him. Um, I, I don't, again, all-star, maybe not, but I, I think that there could be a leveling up here for Dennis Schroeder. And this is the last time I'm predicting this last one. I tried to call it last year and didn't quite work. I think injuries were, were, were a bit of an issue, but Precious Achua, he has all of the tools, right? Like he has everything you want for a big dude. He, he is fine defensively. He's not huge. So that, that is the big thing, but he's really good athletically. He can handle it. Kinda. Um, his shot is most of the way there. Like he has everything. If you just like, if he was a, a creative player on NBA 2K, you just need like one more attribute point for everything. And you have a star on your hands. And I just feel like with the, the work ethic that can be around this Raptor team and the way that they have been able to get the most out of guys in the past, now again, different um, different setup there now with Nick Nurse on his way to Philadelphia. But I, I think you have to look at what the Raptors have been able to do to get the most out of guys. Um, and I think Precious Achua could fall into that. If they are able to get the most out of him, that is a gigantic difference maker. I think he and a lot of the bench guys are going to get a lot more minutes this year. Nick Nurse really just ran his starters into the ground. I think you're going to see quite a few more guys from the bench unit get some opportunities. And because of that, I think there's some some chances here for players to really step up, like a, a Malachi Flynn, like a Precious Achua. I think there's a couple of opportunities for younger players to really step into these roles. So we'll see what happens. But it should be an interesting Raptors year. It's going to be a very interesting basketball season. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Again, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show later this week, we are going to have NFL Power Rankings coming up on the show tomorrow. We are also going to continue our Legacy Look series as we get ready for a monumental clash for the lightweight championship. One of the first big names to hold that championship was BJ Penn. Um, the highest of highs in his career and a lot of lows as things kind of winded down. We will look at the legacy, the good and the bad of BJ Penn coming up this week. We will also continue our NBA previews looking at difference makers in the association. Friday, it is Fights in Football Friday. We're going to have a full preview of UFC 294. We're going to have a full preview of the NFL weekend. And then this weekend, we're going to continue our NBA preview looking at a big trade that happened a long time ago that has shaped like half of the NBA um, and helped the Denver Nuggets win a championship. Uh, So we're going to get to that and a whole lot more on the NBA previews and hopefully sometime this weekend, a UFC 294 recap as well. So uh, once again, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment, rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening in podcast form, share it with your friends, and I will talk to you all later.